All right, it's 9.30 again. It's Sunday again. Do the weeks go by fast for you? Oh, it goes by so fast. Well, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We'll um, try to have a message for Thanksgiving today. In the meantime, we're going to go through Sunday school as we are trying to cover the book of Exodus. So we're going to go to Exodus chapter 20 again and continue in the Ten Commandments. God's Ten Commandments. It's so nice to have cool weather for a couple of days. And uh, it's actually like fall. Long sleeve shirts, maybe socks. All right, Exodus chapter 20, and let's pray. Thank you, Father, for letting us open the Bible and reading it and studying it and teaching it. Thank you for giving us the freedom that we have as Americans and as Christians. We pray that you bless our country, uh, help us to uh, be responsible when it's time to uh, vote and when it's time for us to uh, pray for our elected officials, which is every day. We pray that you bless now our time in the Word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 20. We looked at uh, the first commandment, I'm the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We also looked at number two last week. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Now today is chapter 20, verse number 7. 20, verse number 7. Thou shalt not. All right, uh, this is the second thou shalt not. So the Ten Commandments have several don't do this in it. It's not, it's not all thou shalt, it's sometimes thou shalt not. You've got to have both to make things uh, as it should be. Uh, verse number seven, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And so this is uh, what you call cursing, cussing, the second commandment, thou shalt not. Uh, generally, generally saying this, swearing, vulgarity, uh, along that line, but even more seriously. And by the way, that has been really uh, more common nowadays, vulgarity and uh, coarseness in everyday talk, in uh, different things that you see in here. People respond very quickly with a very harsh, uh, ugly, nasty uh, tone and even the words that they say um, So according to Matthew 6 9 turn over there with me. We'll look at three verses right now according to Matthew 6 9 God's name is Special it is unique as a matter of fact in Matthew chapter 6 verse number 9. He tells us this about his name As the Lord gave instructions to his disciples about praying he tells them this Matthew chapter 6 Verse number nine. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed is to say that your name, God, is holy. Hallowed be thy name, or holy is your name. And then in Psalm chapter eight, here's an interesting verse. Psalm chapter eight about God's name. Psalm chapter 8 and verse number 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. How excellent is thy name. So God's name is 
hallowed. It is excellent. And here's another verse since we're in Psalm, Psalm 109, uh, 111. Psalm 111. Here's another statement about God himself, about his name. Don't take his name in vain. Psalm 119. <laughs> I keep saying Psalm 119. It's 111, verse number 9. 11, verse number 9. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy, holy and reverend is his name. Reverend is his name. Uh, you get the idea from the Bible here, the scriptures, that his name is unique. It is special. It is holy. And you don't use his name in an irreverent way, disrespectful way. And so uh, we're not supposed to uh, use his name in vain. Uh, another way of looking at using his name in vain is to say you invoke the Lord's name for a purpose that is yours. Uh, blank you. Uh, you know, things like that. Now, really, do you have the right to do that? <laughs> Should you use God's holy name, his reverent name, uh, for something you say about someone, wishing ill about someone because they, they wrong you? And so uh, it's very, very common today to use those two words. And uh, God's last name is not that. Amen. Now, the word, that word is in the Bible, damnation. Using this context, it is a proper word to use. But people use it today when they're angry, when they're mad, they want to get revenge. Just drive a little while on the road. You find out that people are really, really upset about a lot of things. They're so impatient. Light turns green, 1001, 1002. If you're not moving by 1002, honk, honk, honk. People say in Hawaii, people don't honk their horns. It's not true. There's a lot of geese in Hawaii, always honking. They do that. And so his last name is well, his name is a holy name. It's a, to be revered and not to be used uh, to invoke something that you wish on someone that is not right. And so can God actually, quote, damn someone because you say so? Well, we have to be careful. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, also, number four, command number four. Go back to Exodus chapter 20. Number four, verses 8 through 11. Verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Talked about that last week. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days, reason, reason to remember the Sabbath day. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And so the idea here is twofold. One, uh, the pattern of God is that he did all of his creation, did all of his so-called work in six days, and then he said, it is finished. It is finished. So he rested, he stopped. He wasn't tired, but he rested in the sense that he ended his work for six in six days, uh, six literal days of creation, and then he didn't do anymore. He just stopped. He rested. That's the pattern. And also for the for the man or for the Christian for the Hebrew right here, uh, he is to also likewise get his work done in six days, and then take time off to rest from his routine of work. 
Also, the cow is supposed to uh, rest too. Beasts of burden are supposed to rest too. Uh, you don't want to wear yourself out. You don't want to wear your source of income out or your livelihood. You want to wear that out too. Modern times would be take care of your take care of your equipment, take care of your property, take care of your your car, your, whatever, whatever it is that you have to use to work. You take care of that so that you don't wear it out. So you don't wear out yourself physically. And modern times, you don't wear out your equipment also. You have to take care of them. Um, always want to take care of your equipment so that it lasts like it's supposed to or even lasts longer. You want to be sure that the car is lubricated. You're sure that the fluids are all in order and all that. And uh, cleaning it once in a while is okay. Once, a, once every two years, it's good to clean your car, especially on the inside. You know, vacuum once every six months is a good thing. All right, so um, in other words, take care of yourself. Don't wear yourself out. Now in Hawaii, as we all know, certain certain ethnicities, certain people, they have the stamina to work hard. Um, you who are Filipinos or you know Asian, working hard is not anything new to you. Some people they have a hard time working. Uh, people apply for jobs, and the job description is you have to show up at eight o'clock, and then some woke person says, in the morning. <laughs> In the morning? <laughs> oh man, and how many breaks do I get in a day? And how long are my breaks? Just 10 minutes? How long's my lunch break? Just a half an hour? Oh, I'm just getting warmed up. Uh, I need an hour and a half. Some people have a hard time working. But uh, for Asian culture, uh, working is like, you're born to work 16 hours a day. Uh, Filipinos, they have a, uh, the ability and the stamina to work long hours. They work a full-time job, they work at the Hilton, then they have a part-time job at another hotel property. So after they get off work, they work enough so that they have time to catch the bus, or catch Uber, go to the next hotel and work there another five hours part-time. Then they go home, then they turn around, come back again, work full-time job and they work, and it doesn't bother them. Or they see a real benefit to them and so they work very hard. And so the idea here is uh, work, get your work done, and then take time off to get some rest for your body. Of course, sleeping every day gives you rest for your body, but then the rest that he's talking about probably is more um, rest for your soul, for your spirit. Also, uh, also rest for the land. Give the land a break too. Everyone needs a break once in a while to rejuvenate, to refresh. And in the New Testament sense, spiritually speaking, Christians take time to rest from their routine of work, to to, to restore their spiritual batteries. What happens when you don't rest? Well, you wear out. Uh, and if you don't rest spiritually, you get cranky. And uh, one of the marks of being uh, tired and fatigued is that you're cranky. You ever drive from the mainland or drive around here or do work and you're beyond your ability to be awake and you're there but you're not there? Have you ever done that? You're there but you're not there? You're standing up but you're not really standing up. You're, you're just going through the motions, you're like a zombie. And you're just there, but you're not really here because you're so tired. Uh, probably needed to just take a time out somehow, get some rest. And so the idea here is that God rested because he finished the work. The idea here is for the man, for the Hebrews to get their work done. And on the seventh day, take a time out for rest, rest. All right, now, of course, uh, the Sabbath is not one that is repeated in the New Testament for you to observe or to remember uh, in a sense of, okay, you need to worship on the Sabbath. The command is not there. 
Other commands are listed in the New Testament, but not to obey the Sabbath like it is here in the Old Testament. Colossians 2.16 tells us why. The doctrine reason why we don't have the Sabbath as an observance, a day of worship, is because of Colossians 2.16. Turn over there one more time. Colossians 2.16. We don't worship on the Sabbath in that we don't use Saturday, the day Saturday, as a day of worship where it is mandatory, where it is a requirement. We do not do that because of this verse. Colossians 2, verse number 16. 2, 16 is the verse that you go to for the doctrinal teaching as to why we do not worship on the Sabbath or make a big issue of the Sabbath, where it is a must. Verse 16, that no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect to uh, of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body of, is of Christ. The idea, the truth behind this is when Christ came, he was crucified on the cross, he ended all the types and shadows that pointed to him as their Messiah, the Lamb of God. And so when Christ came, he done away with, he finished, he completed the need for having these shadows and types. Therefore, we no longer need to worship on a particular day. Romans talks about every day is sacred, every day is holy. One day, one man is teaming this day over another, that every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. The, the point is, every day is dedicated to living for the Lord, worshiping God, not just on Sunday, but Sunday is the day that you assemble together as a local church to worship God. You take time off from your routine so that you can gather together, you can fellowship, you can worship, you can uh, hear the word of God, and uh, you get spiritual rest for your soul. And that's worth a lot. And so when you're done with church, you're tired. Oh, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Those who, uh, those who work and serve in the church, they're the most busy of all people, it seems like. They're getting ready for the lessons, getting ready for music, getting ready for this, to preparing. And then when Sunday comes, it's a day of rest. But for those who are serving, it's not so much of a day of rest. It's a day of activity. <laughs> it's kind of funny, ironic how it all works out. And so when you go take a nap, you just crash without even trying to cry. You just crash because you're tired. You need to rest. And so the Sabbath day is a good thing. And it was given to the nation of Israel, not to the New Testament church. Remember that. So when you see a church that's called the Seventh-day Adventist Church, remember this. You're not criticizing anyone personally. You're not condemning anyone personally. You're looking at the teaching. The teaching is there's no need for us to worship on the Sabbath anymore. And I'll say this as I move on to the next point, the next commandment. Some in the Seventh-day Adventist uh, movement, they say, oh, it's not that important. We're saved by grace. But as you read more, as you talk more, it is so important to assemble on a Saturday and not on a Sunday. It is so important. Saturday is the day. Sunday is not the day. So now they have said this or they have taught this, but they really mean this when they, when, when they emphasize the Sabbath, Saturday. Uh, for some of them, maybe not all, they take the stance that this, the worship of God on Sunday is the mark of the beast. It's not. So that's how serious they take the Sabbath and remember the Sabbath. We hope we understand that the New Testament does not require us to worship on the Sabbath. Every day you worship the Lord, but on Sunday, the first day of the week, commemorate the resurrection of Christ. Uh, the, the disciples um, assembled together, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, 
on the first day of the week they received their offerings and tithes and so on like that. First day of the week, the day after the Sabbath. So that is the pattern. And so remember the Sabbath, and there is a consideration to that. So you have to also consider these things. All right. Um, speaking of rest, one more thought I'll give to you before I move on to number five. <coughs> for, for some people, it's very difficult to stop and rest spiritually because a lot of things has to be done. And uh, nobody criticizes anyone for working hard or having to do work. Uh, but remember this, there's a, there's a time in which you cannot get out of something, and there's a time when you can opt out of something. So sometimes you may lose your job if you demand Sunday off. Sometimes you can lose your job. Who knows when? Or it can turn around where they respect you enough because they believe that you are very sincere. You're not trying to be a slacker. You're not trying to goof off to go golfing, go to the beach on Sunday. Sincerely, you want to be in church. You have the right to be in church. You have the right to do that. Your employer should recognize that. But um, not every employer will allow you to do that. They feel like they're being manipulated. And they don't want to feel that way. They want to always have this upper hand position because they do. And so from that viewpoint, we can understand how the employer needs to place different people on the schedule. Understandable. But sometimes when you are firm about that, sometimes the Lord will allow them, He will work on their heart, give them a tender heart, compassionate, understanding heart, and He'll say, I'll work it out so you can be in church on Sunday. Right. You're a good worker, you do a good job, you're not a slacker, you don't take, you don't cut corners, and uh, you've had a good reputation with us, and we like how you work, we want to keep you, and so we'll try to work it out so that we'll put someone else on Sunday so you can be free to go to church. That can happen. That can happen. Or the other can happen. So you have to have a little bit of trust and faith in God to work it out for you, okay? But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But the thing is, does your heart want to be where you need to be? Or is it just you're being forced to be someplace? And you're, if you're rather work, whereas you didn't have to, um, then maybe you should look at that more seriously because you need to rest. You need to rest. Now, um, okay, so oh, I was going to say something else about that about resting and requiring that. Oh, you benefit a whole lot when you rest spiritually. Just like you benefit from getting enough sleep. If you get two hours of sleep, three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, that might not be enough for most people. Some people, they can handle that. Uh, I just need about four. Before I needed seven. Now I need four. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why. Four, four hours of sleep is enough. And so when I get up and it's dark, I try to close... My eyes are closed, but I'm awake. If you're going through that, you're you're like that, but you're still awake. Okay. Well, you can't go back to sleep, and then you get up and you do something. You move about, you know, because while I'm awake, what am I going to do? I can't just I can't go back to sleep. So I'm going to do something. You do something, and then after a couple of hours, you get tired again. You go back to sleep. Then you wake up the second time, and it's that second time when you wake up, you don't feel rested. <laughs> but when you get a long, a good deep sleep. You know the best place to take a nap? You know where it is? It's on the couch. It is. And it's so, it's so, there's something very common about curling up in a fetal position, facing, facing the, the, the backrest part and just going to sleep. You feel very safe. And uh, <laughs> when you sleep like that, oh, you feel so good and wake up. You don't want to get up. You hear noise, you hear this going on, and you say, ah, yeah, I feel weak. Leave me alone. 
and then when you get a good sleep, you feel so rested. When you take time out on the on the on the Lord's Day on Sunday to rest spiritually, you feel very good. You feel benefited from it. There's blessings to come. We do that. Here's the quote I want to give to you. To make time to get rest is important, but for the man who thinks I don't have time to rest, remember this quote. It's not my quote, it's a good quote from decades ago. Quote, a woodsman, someone who cuts down trees with an axe. A woodsman is never too busy to stop and sharpen his axe. Now that's a very graphic, a very appropriate quote about take time to rest, get spiritual rest. A woodsman is never too busy to stop and sharpen his axe. Number five, number five. This one is pretty plain and pretty obvious. Verse number 12, Exodus 20, verse number 12. The fifth commandment, honor, honor thy father and thy mother. Honor thy father and thy mother, and he will continue to explain, but let me just say, honor thy father and thy mother. Why would God have to put this in one of the commandments? It's as if, don't you kids know you're supposed to honor your parents? Don't you know that? To the Hebrews, don't you see? This is so obvious. Why must I, God, tell you to honor your parents? Well, must have been a reason why he told everyone, and the Hebrews in particular, to honor their parents. It seems so unnecessary, but he did say for good reason. For good reason. Parents are God's appointed authority figures in the home so that the kids don't kill themselves. So that the kids don't do foolish things, childish things, and hurt themselves. The parents are God's appointed authorities in the home to raise them, to train them, to supply for them, to help them, to guide them, to, to comfort them. Everything that they cannot do for themselves, parents are there for that reason. And a child growing up ought to have the sense to recognize how much their parents have sacrificed for them. Sometimes the old kids don't recognize that. Pretty selfish. And so he says, honor thy father and thy mother. So because they are their God's appointed authorities, authority figures for the kids in the home. And then he says, as a reason, verse number 12, as a reason, verse 12, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And he's talking about going into the, the land of Canaan, of course, literally. But in the land in which you live, in which I live, we are to honor our parents because if you want to have a longer life of unnecessary grief, unnecessary uh, pain, and your life stand being cut short because of foolishness, then uh, honor your parents because they have taught you to be happy, to live, to be responsible, which would mean you don't get into things, don't get involved in things that will cause you to have harm. You will avoid some problems if you honor your parents and respect them and obey what they've taught you. And so a long life, you will avoid unnecessary pain and suffering. The warnings of the Proverbs, hear the instruction of thy father, forsake not the law of thy mother. Why? It's because they are telling you truth, preventing you from going to areas of life that you shouldn't go, where you will get hurt. Now, probably parents um, have gone through things, especially if they've been saved later in life, but they've gone through things and they have experienced bad things and they don't want the kids to repeat it. Or they were saved when they got married and before that and uh, they understand that the Christian life is the best life to have so they pass, on, pass that on to the kids so that they also can have a good life. So in both counts, the child wins because they honor their father and their mother and what they've taught them. 
preventing unnecessary grief. Uh, a car does last longer, you know, when you take care of the car. But if you ignore maintenance requirements, maintenance, um, you know, changing oil and checking this, checking that, checking your tire pressure. If you don't do that stuff, your car will eventually wear down quicker and not work as efficiently. This is just common sense. So if you do what the manual says, or you do what a mechanic says, probably your car will last longer. Any tool that you use, if it's cared for, it'll last longer. But if you ignore those things, those good common sense um, uh, instructions, then of course things will wear up quicker and you will lose the benefit of that thing that you bought that cost you a lot of money. Um, now here in Hawaii, the salt air and everything kind of this degrades uh, rubber and plastic things. Uh, I have a lamp that comes like this and then it, it folds down and so it looks like one lowly worm on a base and then you flip it open and as it flips open there's a hinge in the top here so that it can go up and down. But that thing has rubber something and that thing is sticky now. And at the base where I flip the switch, I just rub over it where um, you can turn the light on to um, coffee light, sleepy light, reading light, you know, that kind of light, different things. It's sticky. It's because it's degraded from the salt air. Well, if I had maintained that, if I had carefully wiped it up every once in a while, I wouldn't have had that problem, but I didn't do that. That thing is so irritating to rub that thing off and get some on my finger. Very irritating. Well, that's just a simple explanation to say uh, when you listen to your parents' instructions, then it's probably going to help you to avoid unnecessary pain. Now, I don't know what child, unless it's a boy, they like pain. Boys run, they play, they fall, they get scraped on the elbows and the foreheads and the nose and the knees. And it's just part of growing up as a boy. But to get into a car wreck, to go around drunk people, to run around a crowd that will cause you to have real problems with the law even, why would you want to do that? You wouldn't do that if you obey and respected your parents and honor them. Now, I have a question to ask you about that. When does honoring your parents end? When does it end, honoring your parents? Well, it seems to say uh, that when they're living on your roof. It seems to mean that. I'm not saying that it does, but it seems to mean that. Honor thy, verse 12, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land. Well, it seems to hint while you're living under the roof, but it may not mean that. It probably means more than that. It probably means as long as you live in the land, you'll be blessed because you've honored your father and your mother. So the question is, how long do you honor them? Only until you're 18? Only when they're living with you? When you're 20? Off to school, perhaps? Uh, get a job? Maybe you get married? You have a family? Does your honoring your parents end because of those factors? No. So when you're living with your parents under their authority, you have to obey, respect, honor them. Now, when you move out and you're on your own, it's a little bit different. You still honor them. You still respect them. You, you don't call them talent now. You don't call them buddy now. You call them still dad, mom, you know, like that. You have respect for them and you respect their opinions and you respect their uh, advice and you even ask for them now that you're on your own but you're not living under the house anymore and now especially when you get married now you have a different obligation the wife has an obligation to her husband more than she does to her mother more than she does to her father and so there's a new obligation there's a new dynamic in the in the mix now and so they, you still honor your parents but the Obedience part is not quite as 
as strong because husband he's under God and the wife is under her husband and so she has to work with that and live with that while the Lord is her Lord all of these things are in play grandkids grandkids do not have to obey their grandparents totally like they're supposed to obey their parents so there is a shift there but you still respect and honor them. You could be 80 years old, I mean 50 years old, that'd be more reasonable. And your parents, if they're alive, that'd be a blessing. But you still honor them. You still honor them. All right? So there's a little difference there. And that, that for whatever that means, there's a difference there. Now, in the Polynesian culture, as we may know, uh, Samoan culture specifically, sometimes the mother has a strong hold on the daughter, even after she's married. Sometimes it's like a rope around her ankle. Sometimes the husband has no say-so in the home because her mother, his wife's mother, is always dominating, dominating her, her, and so she never can do what her husband wants because she had to defer to the, the mother. You see, that's wrong because the situation has changed. She can honor her mother, but she has to always think, you know, mom, thanks for your bit of advice. Thanks for what you want to do, but my husband wants to do this, and so, you know, it's, it's, and she'll get upset. Because she's upset, she doesn't quite get, uh, she doesn't quite understand that there's a change over here now. So there's a different obligation now. So that's how that falls out for whatever it's worth. Any questions on that? Any complaints on that one? Um, so I don't, I don't interfere with um, uh, Nathan Christians, how they raise their family. We try to supplement it. We try to encourage it and, and, and uh, go along with what they say. Usually, usually it's always right anyway, so it's not hard. But uh, I would never conflict with what they say to their what they say to their kids. We would never conflict that or, or um, go against that. If they say, okay, now they can play only for 50 minutes, I'm not going to say, hey, you know what, 